Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. So today we're starting a new series. Uh, We're going to camp, the Rock Summer Camp, for the the next six weeks. And I just start out by apologizing because some of you took it really literal and people were calling wanting to know where they signed up to get their family, how many rooms they could have. Well, we're not going off anywhere. We're staying home. And uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning a lot as I kind of lay out a foundation for the next several weeks. And and, uh, Vinny, was that one of you? Were you signing up for Camp Girl? She's like, I signed up. uh, But... uh, we're going to talk a lot today and uh, over the next uh, weeks of this. I'm really excited when I'm not preaching, which is going to be the next five weeks. Wow. I'm going to be on the front row listening, receiving, excited about the word that all the different camp directors are going to be bringing, the pastors. And, uh, but we're going to talk a lot about how camp is a whole lot like church. And uh, we, we want to have a little bit of fun with this. It is summertime, and, and uh, we've had a lot of things going on this summer. Uh, Sarah and uh, her gang of leaders a few weeks ago took a bunch of our young people over to Daytona. Uh, it's a camp that I've actually wanted our young people to go to for years. Sarah went. They had an absolute blast. The videos I saw, these guys, Passion Camp, about 6,000-plus uh, um, students over there in Daytona. Uh, the, the church is out of Atlanta, Georgia, Louis Giglio, great pastor, great passion for young people and uh, all the way up through college age, but he has a great church in Atlanta, but they've had this camp uh, literally, I don't know for how many years. Matter of fact, a few years ago, Suzanne and I and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were on the beach in Daytona, and uh, we see these group of kids just going down through the beach, and they're just talking to everybody as they go, just one after another, and so I'd gotten up and went somewhere to get something to drink or something. By the time I came back, Kirk, my brother-in-law, he's sitting there laughing because the kids had just walked away, and I said, what was that about? He said, oh, they stopped and wanted to know if I knew Jesus. So, so he, he said, well, tell me about this Jesus, y'all know. So he just, he's a pastor from North Carolina, so he just went through the whole deal, just let them have their spill. And then he rejoiced with them, told them that he loved Jesus too. He's on vacation. But, but I was just so impressed that uh, summer watching these kids just go out there in groups um, and, and just really share the love of Christ. And we've had great testimonies from some of our young people. They were touched, encouraged, stirred, challenged, and uh, we're looking forward to, you know, really where the Lord's leading us uh, with our youth, even up into our college age. And, and uh, we have some new stuff stirring as well with our children's ministry, literally from birth uh, all the way up through uh, high school graduation. Pastor Ed and Heather and uh, Yasmin, Sarah, uh, a group uh, really got some neat things that uh, are going to be launched over the next few weeks. You're going to see, see it first, then you're going to hear about it. And, uh, but it's good stuff because the Lord has something good for all all of us, amen, and uh, he's wanting to stir us, build us, and so when we kind of talk about camp and look at camp a little bit and how, how you know, pastors saying camp is a little bit like church, I'm going to kind of lay out some things today and show you how we really do believe it is, and uh, and the necessity to remember what the Lord has already done in all of our lives, to look back. We've had an amazing summer, Suzanne and I, just, we, we have been the bright 
proud mom and daddy of this house over the last several weeks watching over 400 people actively involved in both Reach Week and our Peru Missions Outreach. The testimonies are still coming out through this city of people's lives that were touched through the Rock of Gainesville, just getting out there in the community, feeding hungry people, uh, you know, giving water to thirsty people, backpacks to the homeless. Uh, Jamie got word this week from the principals of the schools they went into, just overwhelmed at all the work that had been done in their public schools. You know, here the Rock Church has our own school, and yet we have these tons of people that have gone into the public schools just to bless them and, and paint and serve them and clean up their buildings. And it was, it was significant, the, the ministry out at the old folks. I'm just, just so many great testimonies. And then as, as most of you know, you, you were here last week, saw the videos and stuff, the, the outreach that we went in on Peru, back in January, I started selling this to us by saying, how many of you want to do something that's bigger than us? And that's really why we tied into missions.me and went on this tremendous uh, missions opportunity, missions outreach to, to really touch the world. We had over half of the people that went on our missions trip uh, team had never been on a missions trip outside of America ever in their life. We had three or four that had never flown before and uh, a good 50 of the 74 had never been on a trip with me before. And yet they, they responded because of the word of the Lord, because of challenge, because of the stirring and, and really because they wanted to be a part of something that's just bigger than us. And so we tied into this. Well, Saturday, I got an email from uh, Pastor Dominic, and uh, I'm hoping it'll pull up here and uh, help <laughs> disappeared. Uh, well, let me give you another one. So I have two reports, and one of them is uh, our outreach, our personal outreach in Peru. But uh, Pastor Dominic sent us a, a response yesterday. They had gotten all the numbers in for uh, the whole missions outreach. So there was just under 11,000 Peruvians and international team tied together uh, to minister. It is, it is now proclaimed as the single largest missionary outreach in the history of the church world, in the history of the church. We got to be a part of something that was huge, was significant. Over, over 100,000 people came to Christ uh, Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people were touched and reached throughout all of Peru. As you know, the, 100, the 136 that were a part of our team, 74 from our church family, three other church families uh, were a part of our team. And we literally went into northern Peru uh, to a, a, a state or what we would call it a state. And, and uh, it was about 2.2 million people. The city we were in was about 400,000. And... Uh, the 136 of us were spread out doing all the stuff you got to witness last week and see. But we finally, I got the, these numbers in yesterday as well. And so the big picture of what was going on over all of Peru was just amazing. The, 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 the people's lives that were being impacted and touched. But just our little group, I want to share some quick results um, from our five squads from our, uh, that went into the schools, from our uh, medical team, from our soccer team, and our water outreach ministry. Uh, we 
participated in over 30 uh, different school um, visitations and events and, and saw face-to-face over 5,328 students plus teachers and a total number of salvations that our church family got to be a part of in those five days was 1,234 people came to Jesus Christ as a result of the people of the Rock of Gainesville leaving Gainesville, leaving America, and going into a world and doing with liberty what we're not even able to do here in America. So many of our team got to lead somebody to Christ personally. I mean, literally lead them to Christ. They've never led anybody to Christ in their life in America. And they go overseas and they're part of 1,234 people coming to Christ in a five-day period. To me, that is just absolutely amazing. We saw and touched over uh, 6,580 people through the events that we were uh, participating in. And the, the big picture is just like, Look what the Lord has done in us. He could have used a donkey, or as I used to say before I got saved, a jackass. But instead, he used you and I. He literally, he could have, someone else could have gone, but instead, we made a decision. You know what? We want to do something in the middle of our summer when we're usually going for our 3,700th trip to Disney World or our 2,100th trip to the beach, we decide we're gonna take a week and, and commit $2,500 and be a part of a team and go to a nation where we don't even know the language and be able to lead people to Christ and, and, and whether we have a translator or not, it is amazing what the Lord will do when you just say, Lord, use me. I, I want to be used. I want to be touched. And, and we know, as we sh- shared last week and declared last week, we, we really want this to become a part of our everyday life and our everyday heart and our passion that, that you know, today's Sunday. Can the Lord use me today? Absolutely. Should I go to the house of God and, and be built up and encouraged? All those amazing. Absolutely. But on my way to the house of God, maybe the Lord might want to use me. On the way after the house of God, maybe when I walk out of these doors, get my car, we're going back into the mission field. And in every sense of the word, when we begin to think every day, Lord, is there somebody today that I could touch? Who knows, but that he might bring someone totally unexpected to you to touch their life. So as we talk about going to camp and the significance of it, We decided that uh, in this kind of fun series, uh, using summer camp as a jumping off point, we're going to look at biblical foundational principles that will help us to grow in Christ Jesus and know our purpose in the Father's kingdom, not in heaven one day, but right here on the earth. So in a sense, we're going to camp and we're going to find out how much camp is, is really so much like church. Somebody said, well, you can reverse that and church is like camp. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I, I will declare camp is a lot like church, but uh, church is bigger than any camp I've ever been to in my life because it's the significance is of the fact that it is all about family and us finding out. To whom are we joined? Where has God placed us? What, is, what are we allowing God to do in our lives? It's so much bigger than just a day off or a week off, a week separated to do something. It is literally about our whole life. 
the kingdom of God. So my part as a you know, camp director or the pastor is that I want us to look at the many functions of a camp and how it is in so many ways a lot like the house of God and a lot like church. So the first one is, I'm going to give you a few of them this morning. The first one is camp is where you meet a lot of new people that some will become your friends. How many of you have been to camp and you found some people and you didn't want them to be your friends? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Keep that hand down low. But uh, you meet some people and you, matter of fact, you know, Peru wasn't a camp, even though we kind of felt like it was. I mean, we're eating every meal together, drinking, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches together. I mean, we had rows of tables making slapping peanut butter, somebody else slapping jelly, somebody else is putting it together, sticking it in a plastic bag. We're, we're getting the chips out and the cookies out. And it felt like camp, didn't it? I mean, it's just, just like it was, it, it was all of this working together for a bigger purpose, committed from when you woke up in the morning until, until those camp directors, Melissa and and uh, uh, Mitch and Pastor Matt said, okay, go to bed. And it's like, thank God I've been waiting for them to say that, you know, because it, it felt in a lot of ways like camp. But, but from morning to evening, we were just doing these things that were amazing and we're meeting all these new friends. As a matter of fact, Friday, I called, uh, uh, you know, yesterday morning, I called a pastor friend of mine and uh, that I had met from that. And we just kind of, we fell in love with each other and our groups fell in love with each other. So I called him and he answered the phone on the first click and, and uh, he's like, Reverend, what are you doing? I said, so we're just, you know, we're just high-fiving each other through the phone and, and talking. And, and I was like, man, I got to get you down here. He's like, no, I got to get you up here first. And he said, but I got to get off sabbatical first. I said, what? He said, yeah, I just started six weeks sabbatical. Day. I was like, dude, that's awesome. How long have you been pastoring? <laughs> Fifth, only 15 years. Oh, huh? yeah, yeah, this is my second one, he said. He said, don't you take them every year? I said, no, but I'm going to go to my board and talk to them and see if they'll approve <laughs> me <laughs> to take a few more weeks. But we, we were talking just about the reality of how our teams from the East Coast and the West Coast, the East Coast and the West Coast, down south and way up north, and how we came together and just immediately, just like, it was like a hand in a glove. It was like their glove, our hand, our, our, our glove, their hand, something like that. Anyhow, you know what I'm talking about. We were, we were just working together and like, how does that happen? Because God is a God of relationships. I mean, he wants us. And in camp, you find a friend and you, you meet a whole bunch of people. Maybe it's for a short time. But, but the beauty of the family of God, the body of Christ, the church, is that when we allow God to place us where he wants us to be. We're no longer going somewhere because we liked it or we liked the preacher. Or we liked the kids ministry or they got a really hot worship you know, team and they're just, man, they just can really bring, knock it out of the park. No, no. It goes beyond all of that to where we go. You know what? This is where father has for me. I've been in a lot of great places. You know, there are a lot of great churches in Gainesville, and there's a lot of great places in the world, but they're not all yours. And when you go there, you feel like you're in your cousin's house. Maybe it's your first cousin, and you even like your first cousin. Matter of fact, with this cousin, you even feel a liberty to go in the kitchen. Now, you don't have a liberty to just dig in the bottom of the freezer, but you have the liberty to ask if you can open the freezer. But some, you just like, you know, you're a prim and proper, you're sitting out there and you, your little teacup, they serve you and they say they're family, but it don't feel like family. Anybody ever been in a church like that? I have. They're not bad churches. They're just not mine. It's not my house. It's not my family. It's not my smells. It's not my daddy. It's not my mom. It's not my brothers or my sisters or my children. It, these are great people, but they're not my people. And can I tell you, there's something significant in the house of God when you find your people. 
You find your people. Matter of fact, let me read you this familiar passage of scripture. It's found in Psalm 68. So church is finding out not where you want to be, but where God wants you to be. Church is where God wants you to be. It's finding that place, allowing him to lead you so that the moment you walk in, something inside your spirit clicks and you go, wow, I feel like I'm at home. You don't say, wow, this is a good church. All of a sudden, when you know that you know where you are, it's like everything that comes out of you is this feels like family. This feels like home. Well, Psalm 68 in the Amplified says this, God is a father of the fatherless and a judge and a protector of the widows. God is in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. And in the ESV and the New King James, it says God sets the solitary, picks up the solitary. That means it could be one person, it could be a couple, it could be a family with four kids, but he picks them up and he places them through any kind of means that God needs to get you where he wants you to be. See, a lot of people sit in places their whole life and they wake up one day and go, man, there is just, no life here. And it's not anything outside of, you need to know where home is. Because let me tell you a little bit about family and about home. Home and church is messy. Somebody say amen. I'm going I'm to sit here till you say, it's messy. You know why? Because family is way different than being prim and proper in somebody's house where you're sipping tea. Got your little finger out, your little pinky out, you're sipping tea. You got your best behavior on, got your little leg crossed, you know, and you got your little napkin on. But with family, like, bring the paper towels out, you know? I mean, family is just, you're going to just get down. Family is all about people love you enough to get all up in your stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And that's why some people don't want the family of God. They want to go where they can just look at the back of somebody's head, listen to somebody go and say, amen, then get up and walk out and say, check, been there this week. Family of God ain't nothing about check, is it? You better bring cash. <laughs> you know, check, check ain't working. You know what I mean? With my wife, I'm telling you, the relationship, 40 years of marriage with my wife, and I'm telling you, we can, we, can have, we can just be the best for each other, or nobody can hurt me like she can hurt me. You know why? Because nobody have I opened up my life to like her. Well, some church down the street, they can talk bad about me all they want, never going to bother me, but when my family... Well, that's a whole different ballgame. And, and when, you, when you're loving each other, you're working things out in each other, you're, you, you know, God's got you stirring. Maybe you're a man, God brings a man into your life, and all of a sudden you, you get past the surface stuff, and you got a brother that stick, you got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, you got your brother and you got your sisters and they live all over the place and y'all do your little, you know, emails. You got your little family thing and all. And then when somebody dies, you all show up and start talking about how much you love each other and you should get together more often, but you don't and you're glad of it. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but family, well, that's a whole different ballgame. Man, you're every day, you're spending life, you're doing life with family because God has set you together. And we're not together because we're all white or we're all black or we're all brown or we're all rich or we're all poor or we're all got this educated. No, no. We're just, you look around this room this morning and to me it looks a little bit like heaven. I mean, it looks like what I've envisioned heaven to be like. And, And it's young and old. It's every kind of skin color. But the reality of it is it's people that have been solitary people that God has uprooted and they placed you in the middle and all of a sudden you go, this is family. And sometimes, come on, come on. 
Come on now. We're going to be really honest here. Sometimes we don't even like family, do we? That's a fact right there. It's serious. It's true. There's times, there are times when we just like, we see family coming in and we're like, I'm going this way. Where's that exit door? Because normally it's because God's using them in your life or he's telling you he's wanting to use you in their life and you'd rather not. It's just too messy. But you know what? There's nothing like family that really knows family and knows how to do family. Because when something's going on in my life, I, I want to know who's got my back. I want to know that the people that love me, man, they're willing to fight the good fight of faith to pray. They're standing in the gap. I recently, you know, all of you that know TJ and Connie here know that their little girl, Gabriella, four weeks ago was diagnosed uh, thinking she had a little tummy ache and she was diagnosed with a horrible, horrible diagnosis of uh, literally a, a level three mutated leukemia disease that's never even been treated or seen in Shan's hospital. And uh, so much so that they have had to call in specialists literally from around the world and uh, I, I was saying in the first service, uh, Dr. Erica and Dr. Matt, Dr. Erica was the young lady singing up here that powerful song while ago. And, and uh, she told me about three and a half weeks ago, standing outside of Gabriella's room in the hospital, she said, Pastor, our biggest hope right now, our, our number one goal is that within a month, uh, her blood report's going to come back after they do another bone marrow uh, test, that her blood report's going to come back, that she's in remission. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We can believe that for a month? And she said, that's our number one goal, to get to the next steps. We got we to gotta believe for that. And so this week, uh, Gabriella underwent a, a, a long day at the hospital surgery. They did, went into her spine, did another spine marrow t uh, test, and shipped it all the way off to Seattle, Washington. And... Um, Yesterday, in the middle of the afternoon, Connie gets an unexpected phone call from the head uh, pediatric oncologist, the director at Shands Hospital, all excited on his cell phone to say, Gabriella's test just came back and she's in remission. Yeah. Woo! Come on, somebody. Wow. Does that mean we stop praying? No. Matter of fact, doctors said, look, we were scheduled to start her second phase two weeks, but we're going to start it Monday because we're going to attack this thing full force. We're believing for every aspect of this. This child has such a rare mutated leukemia that no doctor in chance has ever even seen it. They've only read about it. Four weeks ago, she is a 10-year-old girl running around church here, involved in everything, amazing little kid. And I, I got a text from Connie yesterday afternoon, call me ASAP. And I didn't see the text because I was helping Andrew and Jess work on their house. And so an hour later, I see it. I pick up the phone. I call. And there is a party going on at the young house. They're screaming. They're hollering. They're shouting. Music's playing. And, and, and Connie says, Pastor, she said, Gabrielle's got a smile so huge on her face. Now, Monday morning, she's going to be back at Shan's. And do we stop praying? No, no. We increase our prayer until that time when they're going to say there is no cancer. Come on, somebody left in her body. That's what family does. That's what. And Connie said to me a couple weeks ago in a text, she said, Pastor, I can't imagine being anywhere else in the world and going through what I'm going through. We would not have made it the first week had it not been for our family at the Rock of Gainesville. 
24-7, man, lifting up our arms and our hands, praying for us, bringing us food, bringing my little baby, all kind of stuff. I mean, I brought that child a little tiny piece of jewelry in Peru that I did not pick out, my wife picked out. I got all the credit for it. I took all the credit for it. I went over and had a tea party with Gabriella the day after I got home from Peru and gave her that little gift. And yesterday, I get a picture of, of Gabriella's slick, bald little head, and she's got the little earrings on and the necklace, and she's just beaming from ear to ear as she's showing Pastor her little owl. And she writes, I will... I." She said, I'll always, O-W-L, I'll always love you. So I wrote back and said, I'll, O-W-L, will always love you more. That's family. See, when you're going through a battle like that, it's not the right time to be going to wonder, where's the phone book? Anybody have a directory? I'd like to find somebody that maybe will love me enough to stand with me. Is there anybody out there that actually has faith in God? You, you think maybe if I called some church, maybe they could send like the associate over? Man, there come a time in our lives when we're going through battles, we need to know who daddy is. We need to know who's watching over our soul. We need to know that a phone call will bring 25 people, if necessary, into battle with us because we're not doing this alone. See, the family of God is so much bigger than church. It's about, man, being in relationship because you're where God has you to be. The second one is camp is about having new experience. Let, you know, I just love sharing good reports. So let me just go. Is it okay if I just share a couple more real quick? So Pastor Matt and Erica, who are part of uh, Gabriella's medical team, Erica's on our worship team. About a year ago, they you know, had been married for a few years, wanted a baby so bad, got pregnant, were so excited, had a miscarriage, broke their hearts. I mean, just broke their hearts. And... Uh, uh, and yet, when it happened, Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart, just settled, and I spoke this word quietly to Erica and Matt. And uh, so this morning, we got to announce that they are pregnant with child, healthy baby, three, four months pregnant. I told her a couple weeks ago, I said, Erica, when are you going to let me announce this? I said, because you're already, come on, see, look at y'all's eyes. I said, you're already glowing. I said, because that's what you pregnant women do, man. And you, give, you can't hide. Say, so, so, oh, no, I'm not seeing. It ain't nothing about seeing. It's about glowing. Because yeah. there's something about when, when God places that little seed, that little beautiful baby that's growing in your womb, man. You, there's a smile that goes on a person's face that can't be hidden with clothing. And so because of things, we just, we, she finally let me announce it today. So anyhow, we rejoice with Matt and Erica over a healthy child. We're believing uh, that everything's going to go smooth. Also, uh, this weekend, uh, Nick and Ty gave birth to, I don't even know how, what number it is. I'm way past count. Their quiver is very full. But they, had a health, they have a beautiful little girl. Her name's Skylar. How many? Six. And uh, uh, Skylar had a little bit of problem when she was born. She had some fluid in her lungs. So we've been praying. Doctors are doing. Uh, a great job, and they've had her on oxygen, but they're beginning to wean her from that. And beautiful little girl, Ty, is thrilled, and so we rejoice over them. And as well, um, JoLynn and Andrew, JoLynn Faulkner, one of our kids, grew up at the Rock School. She's also pregnant with child, and they were here in the first service this morning, so we rejoice with them. I told her it's a good time to move home to family now, and she's, she wants to, so anyhow, good stuff. All right, number two, camp is about having new experiences. 
Church is about finding, come on, listen to this. Church is about finding relationship that God desires for you to have because he knows what will come out of those relationships that go deeper than church. You see, someone who will become even closer than a brother, one who will help you to grow and to be stretched. And I want to read you this, this little scripture out of Proverbs 27. This is good right here. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. See, you're not going to have a man speaking to man's life or a woman speaking to a woman's life that's not in relationship. Just not going to happen. There's something about when God joins us with people and they love us enough to go, it's time to get real. All right? I mean, it's time to get real. They might be the hand that God uses in your life to keep you in those early stages of you walking out your salvation because you're not doing it alone. Iron, sharpening iron. As a brother sharpens a brother and a sister sharpens a sister. When when we realize that there are important kingdom principles that God's placed in our life. This last week on Monday, I was meeting with one of the groups of men that I meet with and we were just having a great time, but I I was sharing with them something the Holy Spirit had dropped in my heart for them. And it was talking about what happens when the word of God is no longer optional in your life. Just meditate on that for a moment. What happens when the word of God is no longer optional in your life? That means you've grown to a place where you realize I cannot live without the word of God. Because to know Christ is to know his word. And to abide in his word means I get to abide in Christ. And as I abide in Christ, a hunger for his word causes me to grow deeper and begin to find out through the word of God, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why am I living? Why did did bad things happen to good people? And how do I overcome discouragement, fear? See, when the word of God becomes the source of life, what happens is you're not going to be in the word very long when you're going to all of a sudden attach it to the necessity to pray. Because I don't know about y'all, but whenever I read the word of God, the first thing I do is pray and ask God to give me a revelation about what I'm about to read. Because if not, if you're not careful, you start reading the the Bible and you read it like a novel or you read it like a science book or poetry and you don't realize, you don't read the word with, wow, yeah, I've read through the Bible 10 times in my life, and I, there's very, there are very few scriptures that, that when I read it, I don't remember that I've read it before. But all of a sudden, man, you, you slow yourself down and begin to say the word of God is life. It's power, the scripture says it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts going in, turns, and cuts coming out. That's pretty sharp. When have you read the word of God and all of a sudden that word begins to cut away in you the dross of the wickedness of your heart? So hold it now, pastor. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have any wickedness. Oh, yes, you do. The fact you don't think you have any wickedness in you proves that you have a spirit of pride. And you had not been in the word enough to start letting it deal with that pride. But as you do, all of a sudden you also realize, man, man, when I pray, I also want to worship. I can't just pray without worship. I, matter of fact, I can't pray most of the time without worship first. Worship is kind of like, man, it, it's the thing that opens the door and gives me faith to simply say to God sometimes very simple things like, God, help. You could come with a thousand words, but what you're really saying is, God, I need your help today in this area of my life. 
I'm about to launch into something. I'm about to step into something. About, I, I, I've been, a door's open for me, God. I, I really need your help here. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would minister all day? Man, he'd just go around doing good stuff, you know, feed 5,000 people with a couple pieces of bread and some fish, just speak to it, break it, and all of a sudden, bam, everybody's full, taking in leftovers. On the way out, you know, he causes some blind people to see, lame people walk, deaf people hear, cleanse, cleanses a few lepers. And then what's it say? Scripture after scripture after scripture, it says Jesus was then driven or led back to the place of prayer. We in American Christianity 2019, we pray, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. We pray our little prayers over our meals. And then we pray, God, I heard last Sunday at church that you love me and you're a good daddy and everybody else has got a new car. God, don't you want to give me a new car? I mean, I know you love me because the preacher said you did. And and, and, and my sister, she got a new car, and my neighbor, they got a new car, and Lord, I'm just driving this old car. And our whole relationship with God, there, seriously, there are times when I think, God, why don't you just spew all of us out of your mouth? You know, just up chuck it. Because seriously, we're living in a day, I just got through praying at the beginning of this message, we're, we're living in a day in 2019, well, no, we don't see it in America, but listen, church, it's still happening. People are dying today around the nations of the world simply because they love Jesus the way you love Jesus. And we hear that and go, oh yeah, so what are we having for lunch? Is it beef or chicken? I mean, it doesn't even click. We don't even realize that people... So many of the team that went to Peru said to me on that trip over 11 days, Pastor, you were right. Some have been in the church 25 years, some 15 years, some five years. Pastor, you were right. What was I right about? All those times when you challenge our church that before your time is over in this world and you crawl in that box and everybody comes by and says how good you look in death, before that happens, get a passport, go somewhere else in the world and find out how big God is. And then come back home and see if you have a spirit of complaining like you did before you left. As several people said to me, Pastor, if you hear me complain one more time in America about anything, just slap me just to get my attention. Because seriously, our American mentality of Christianity is so limited. We limit how big and awesome and mighty God is based on our luxury of America. And when you really get joined and jointed and knit in the body of Christ, God places you somewhere. He's going to put people in your life. That's why everybody in this house needs to be involved in at least one connect group. I'm beyond saying just get in a group. I mean, just start with one. Some of you are going to find out you need to be in two or three different small groups throughout a week. Because God's bringing the, why? Because he's wanting to do something in your life. One, one group over here is going to meet this need. This group over here, you're going to be meeting somebody else's need. I mean, things are going to happen. Men with men, women with women, couples with couples, families with families. All for the reason of built, being built up, edified, and equipped for the work of the ministry. I got to move on. Y'all got to stop. Okay, leave me alone. Number three, fun, camp is a fun getaway. Is, did I do this one? I felt like I just did this one. It's last service. Okay. Camp is a fun getaway. How does that relate to church? Church is a place where you get to go every week and be refreshed. Not every other week, not every third week, not every fourth week, not twice every five weeks, but where we make the house of God a habit in our life. When we're gone, it's a rarity. It's not just a part of the however many weeks you've assigned. 
but it literally becomes a life source to you and you understand the significance of it. Because in that, not only do we get to be refreshed, but we get strengthened, encouraged, loved on by like-minded friends. Listen, we're living in a world in America, look up here, that's getting darker and darker and darker. And as it does, we as Christians don't have to be fearful, afraid, oh, what's gonna happen in the next election? What's gonna happen here? No, no, no. Whenever darkness is, light just shines brighter. And what happens is as things get worse and, and people start hating Christians more and more, because hear me, don't get all of the big head about why they hate you because you're so deeply in love with Jesus. No, the, they hate Jesus. And because you're a son or daughter is why they hate you. Okay. But there, it's going to be worse and worse in our society. And as it gets that way, man, God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace all poured out in us. You go into the house of God with like-minded people, not to feel sorry for yourself and go, oh, we're going to sit around and talk about how rough everybody had it this week. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about that at all. We're going to be built. We're going we're to sharpen our swords. We're going to clean up our shields. We're going to stir ourselves to put on the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel. Why? Because we walk out of these doors in a few minutes, we're going back back into the mission field of people that desperately don't need for us to wait till next summer to do Reach Week again or to go on another missions trip. Can you say amen to that? Even if it's by faith. We're called to our world such a time as this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, read that when you get home today, but it talks about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers being given to the body of Christ. Why? So that we can be built up, edified, strengthened, encouraged, convicted, by the word of God that's preached. Over the next few weeks, Pastor Tad, Pastor Ron, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Hector are all gonna be preaching. They're gonna be bringing different ideas uh, concerning camp and how different things relate to us and how do we grow. And in those, when I'm not preaching, I'm gonna be on that front row and I'm gonna be taking notes. I'm gonna be listening by faith. I'm gonna be hearing. I might have their notes beforehand, but there's something about the anointing that comes through the preached word of God that all of a sudden you're sitting there reading notes, but Holy Spirit brings something else, reveals something to you. Why? Because you're hungry. Because you know you're about to go out back in the field and, and, you're, and your sword's kind of bent up. And it needs to be straightened. And it needs to be put back in the fire. And man, that thing needs to be sharpened. And that shield, oh, you don't want some little tiny shield. You want the shield of faith, man. You want to lift up that thing and say, man, I'm out in a real wicked, hard world. And I better be, I better have my shield of faith that surrounds me. So that when the enemy comes against me, greater is he that is in me than he that is against me. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. You see, you start proclaiming and declaring the word of God. Lastly, camp is a good time for reflection and vision casting. Church on a regular basis helps us to reflect on all that Christ did for us at the cross, as well as to consider the plans that he has for us on our journey through life. God has a plan for us. We need to remember, first of all, all the good things. That's why these stories I shared this morning about Peru and about Reach Week, we need to not forget those. We need to not just come back, take a shower, put our clothes away, and then tomorrow's another day and we forget. No, no, man, I need to remember that in one week's time, the people of the Rocket Gainesville got to be a part of seeing 1,234 people come to Christ that maybe would have never heard the gospel had we not gone. 
if that doesn't drive you for the next and the next and the next thing that God has. See, we, re- we need to remember that thousands of people were touched face to face. Prayers prayed over them. People that were sick were healed. People that were discouraged found hope. Women that were being abused were told by women of God, you do not show your love to your husband by letting him continue to beat you. Thinking that there is literally a billboard in Peora, Peru, where we were, that showed a woman beaten and declaring that that is the norm in the world. No, it's not the norm. And when you know who you are in Christ Jesus and your worth, you're not going to stand by and let anybody beat on you. Because there is a righteous way to walk it out. We need the Word of God in our lives. And we need to remember all the good things. As the psalmist said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember His wonders in not just someone else's life, but in my life. And then lastly, as we as a church begin to understand that God has called us for such a time as this. We could go back to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and be reminded, man, our God thinks good thoughts about us. He has a future and a hope and a plan for our lives. And as long as we are breathing and got blood flowing through our veins and oxygen through our lungs, there is still an opportunity for us to do something significant for the God we serve. Would you agree to that? Because God loves us so much. If you're sitting here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm telling you, living for God is not about living by law and giving up all the things that you think you have to give up to know Christ. Matter of fact, living for Jesus is just all about this, realizing that you need a Savior and you can't save yourself. And that God loves you and he loved you so much that before you were ever created, he knew you, who you were. He knew your name. He knew your DNA. And he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross so that when you were born and you did commit sin, that there would already be a way of escape from the path you had lived, the path of righteousness. God loves you. And he cares for you. And he's got a future and a hope that if you could ever surrender you to him, you'll find out that your dreams, they were little, eeny, weeny, teeny, teeny, weeny dreams compared to what God has for you. Your vision for your life cannot compare to what God's plan that he has for you. If you can come to the place where you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surrender to me and let him be Lord of my life. I wanna ask you to bow your head for just a moment. Believers, I'm gonna ask you to pray for just a moment. There are those of you watching online this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You haven't been to camp or to church. And today, you tuned into this and you're hearing. And I'm saying to you that the God who created you loves you. And that no matter what your past is, what your failure is, Christ was willing to die on the cross so that his blood was shed, would cleanse you from sin and separation to the Father who loves you. For those of you that are sitting in this room this morning and you know about church, maybe you know about God, you've visited, you've been places, maybe you've been for a long time, but the day the question is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God?
the only one who can open the door to the Father. The Father who loves you, created you for such a time as this. Today, today would be the greatest day in the history of your world and your life if you would surrender and invite Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Today, I wanna lead you in that prayer. It would be my joy, my privilege, my honor to lead you in a simple prayer that will change your destiny and your eternity when you invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. Every head's bowed, believers are praying for you because we've all been where you are. And we came to a place where we were ready to say, I don't need religion, I need a relationship. Jesus is here today to give you that. Right where you're sitting, you can just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Hold that hand up until I identify it. Then you can put it down and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna make you walk up here right now. This, this is between you and the Lord. But today is your day. Would you, would you just lift up your hand and let me recognize that and pray for you this morning? This is the most difficult. Yes, dear, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. This is the most difficult decision you will ever make in your life. But it's the most powerful, wonderful thing you'll ever do. Thank you. You can put it down once I recognize it. Thank you. Anyone else? This is your moment. Man, you just, you, you just need the one who loves you. To wrap his arms around you and love you today. Yes, God bless you, my dear. He heals the broken heart. He redeems us from every curse of our parents, past generations, divorce, hatred, bitterness. God's bigger than all of that. This morning, yes, God bless you, dear. Today, probably the most difficult decision you'll ever make in this lifetime because it's a decision that says, I surrender all. I know I'm lingering for just a moment, but I know that I know today that the Lord, the Lord wants to save you today. And he's done all he can do. The next step is yours. It's a, I surrender to Christ. One last second, anyone else? This is, this is today. The Lord's knocking at your heart and you know it. Yes, God bless you. Bless you. All right, I want to invite everybody in this house, right where you're seated, to pray this prayer out loud. Listen, if you needed to raise your hand today and you didn't, you're watching online, I can't even see you if your hand's raised, but you pray this prayer. You pray it out loud with your lips. The word declares if you will confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you will be saved. You pray this prayer and you will be saved the walk of salvation in your life. Pray with me right now out loud. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired of running. Tired of trying to do it my way. Today, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for your mercy in my life. And thank you for giving me Jesus. Jesus, Thank you for being willing to go to the cross and dying for me today. You've chosen me already, but today I'm choosing you.
I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin, all of my pushing you away. Today, Jesus, come in. I invite you right here, right now, in my life, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for these guys this morning. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Real quick, uh, I just want to give you an update. Over these next few weeks, uh, starting next week, Pastor Tad's going to be uh, taking us to camp in the area of woodworking. He's going to be teaching us, uh, imparting some vision on it's time to build together. Let's build. Let's see what God wants to do in us, through us, with us, and by us. Pastor Ron going to be teaching on archery. He's going to talk to us about how to stay focused, to hit the bullseye in whatever area of life, wherever God's leading us to, that we'll know that place. Pastor Jamie in charge of meal time. Come on, somebody. It is meal time. What comes out of meal time? I'm telling you what, living in community. You will find somebody that you have watched for 10 years sit across the church you've never known. Spend one meal with them. And all of a sudden, your whole relationship goes to a whole nother level. That's why Jesus spent almost all of his time not preaching, eating together with his disciples and with others. Something good about breaking bread together. Pastor Nathan's going to be teaching on rock climbing, how to overcome fear by looking up and not looking down. I told the first service this morning, the first time I jumped out of an airplane, I jumped 91 times in the Air Force. But that first time, I jumped out of the back of that C-130, and that big old uh, black hat sergeant told me if I didn't jump when that light turned green, he would put his size 15 up the south side of me, and he would not because there was only one way to get back on the ground, and that was out that door. And so when that light turned green, I jumped up and jumped out, and I started counting 1,000, 2, I'm falling at 120 feet per second, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. On that fourth second, all of a sudden, poof, I hear the chute uh, deploy, the wind came catches it and all of a sudden I go from 120 feet per second to 15 feet per second and all of a sudden there's a quiet whisper and I remembered over and over and over those sergeants telling me listen if you're afraid of heights don't look down he said keep your eye on the horizon so man when that shoot open man I got my toggles now I'm turning I'm like look at me I'm like an eagle I'm flying I'm going down but I'm flying (laughs) and I'm looking and I'm remembering what they said just keep your eye on the horizon man I'm looking at old David Weintraub back there he's just equal that shoot open that plane's out there and it's like so beautiful oh is it this beautiful oh Lord Jesus man I look down and man I got I got all tight then I'm like and I'm coming down but you keep your eye on the right. Nathan's going to teach us how we got to overcome fear by looking to Christ instead of looking at our circumstances. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss that. And then Pastor Hector is going to teach us, show us that all campers, how important fitness in. We're called to be soldiers. We're called to be athletes. And to do that, we got to be fit for the kingdom. And so over these next few weeks, man, there's going to be some good stuff. You don't want to miss it. If you are on vacation, uh, I encourage you, grab your computer, your iPhone, and watch it online and hear what Holy Spirit has to say, all right? So, Father, I bless the people today. I thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. And declare, Father, uh, today we rejoice with these that have given their heart to Christ. Today is a new beginning for them. And so we bless them, pray over them, pray that you will help us to, to reach them, disciple them, and nurture them, right? where they are. We give you all thanks and praise in Jesus name. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, 
visit therockonline.org.